I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that your first launch of a product, the first time you bring it to market, is not the end-all be-all of that product. It's just that, the first launch. It will either be launched again and again and again, or you'll make it an evergreen product, meaning it's always for sale inside your email funnel. The point is that long-term, you want to make money off this product. You don't have to make a ton of money off of this one launch. However, you do want to do a launch review anytime and every time you launch a product, bring it to market, open and close it to refine the process and ensure that you are presenting the product in the best possible way. So what I want to do in today's episode is give you my launch review checklist, walk you through the steps that I take when I've finished and completed a launch to just make sure that I've learned something from it because you want to learn something from every launch and to see where I can improve either for another launch or for optimizing it to my funnel. So if you're ready to make your next launch more profitable or your evergreen product even more profitable than it currently is, then sit back, relax, and enjoy this breakdown of my launch review checklist. Welcome to episode 168 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. It is an honor to spend time with you today. We're going to talk about reviewing your latest launch, or maybe only launch, doing a post-mortem, breaking it down, and seeing what worked, what didn't work. I'm going to give you my framework, my checklist of what to look for and what questions to ask yourself after every launch. This is going to help you make more money and have an even better launch next time, because none of us knock it out of the park the first time, or even the sixth or seventh or twelfth time, okay? So it's going to be really, really helpful for you. I want to give you something, though. If you haven't launched a course, I want to give you an entire guide to doing this. It is my six-figure course checklist, okay? This is not a checklist for reviewing your launch. This is a checklist for actually building a course that will make multiple six figures, maybe seven figures, and making sure that you launch it well. This is a simple guide that walks you through the four-step process for building and selling and launching a course that will make a ton of money. And then also I've included some of my biggest mistakes I've made when launching courses. So you got to have this. This is a juicy, juicy guide. Just go to sixfigurecourse.com. That's the number six, the digit six, sixfigurecourse.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to link to it below. Pick it up go through it, make sure you are doing everything in those four steps to building and launching a profitable online course and read through the mistakes as well. Make sure you're not making any of those because I've been doing courses for almost 13 years and I've done about every mistake you can imagine. So hopefully this will save you some hassle and help you have a more profitable first launch or next launch. And then what we're about to talk to, to talk about today is going to help you review that launch to figure out what the market said, and then you can optimize and tweak from there. So great starting point, sixfigurecourse.com or click the link below. Okay. Let's talk about a review, launch review. Why? Why even do this launch review? Um, Because you probably had some really good stuff in your launch. And if you just move on, if you just do what a lot of people do and they launch, which is a lot of work, by the way, right? Like when you've gotten into this, you've realized, man, this, I got to write sales copy and sales emails and welcome emails and pre-launch stuff, blah, blah, blah. It is a lot of work. And if you just move on, 
dude, you are just becoming a shell of yourself. A, you got to celebrate. And we've talked about that before, but you have to celebrate. If you don't, this will, you'll become a bitter person and you won't get any of the benefits of this, this business other than the money, which is great, but you want to have the joy in it as well. So celebrate, yes, but then review because something in your launch probably went really well. And you want to be able to extract those best components, the things that did well, you want to be able to acknowledge them, that worked, that worked, that worked, put it in a little you know, checklist somewhere or a little document or tuck it away in the old noggin of like, do more of this because this really worked. If you don't acknowledge it shortly after the launch, you will forget. And then when you go to relaunch it or launch something else, you won't have that top of mind, that insight that you have right now because it's fresh. You won't have that insight of this really was effective. So you want to be able to extract the best components. And then there's going to be things that you didn't do so well or just didn't work so well. Even if you did a good job, the market didn't connect with it for whatever reason. You want to know that while it's fresh so you can fine tune it for next time. Every launch is a test and it's an experiment, not a test of whether you're good enough or that your product's good enough. You're going to build a good product because you've done the research. You're a good human being. You're trying to serve people, but it's it, we're just guessing until we, we bring it to market. And then the launch gives us some data that we can use as an experiment. Be like, okay, I tried that. Some things worked, some things not so well. How can I tweak the recipe? You're just making a, a, a thing in the, the kitchen. You're just making food. It's just a recipe. It's just, you, you're making meatloaf or you're making, you know, whatever you want to make. Like my, my brother-in-law is like all into baking bread all of a sudden. So he's like on the bread baking kick. Like you can make all kinds of different loaves. Well, the first loaf of bread you make isn't going to be your best. There's going to be some things about it you like. The consistency was good. Flavor wasn't so great or the crust wasn't the way I wanted it. So what could I tweak next time? Tweak next time. Eventually you get that signature recipe that works every time. How do you come across that signature recipe? You don't just know it instinctively. Nobody just knows it. Best-selling products aren't that out the gate, right? Killer offers aren't that the first time they're offered. They are the result of many tweaks, many revisions until you get to what really works. That's how this works. So we want to be able to fine tune. Here's how this review works. It's really simple. You've done a launch. So I'm assuming you've done one. Then you're going to use my checklist that I'm about to go through. There's a few components here. You're going to go through all the components of your launch and assess whether or not you achieve the results you wanted in those areas. It's really simple. It's just uh, comparing your launch against these seven components, okay? You ready? This will be really practical for you. So write these down, and then you can revisit this every time you launch. So the first component you want to assess is your conversion rate. How did your product convert? And conversion rate, and when I say this, I don't mean by like the sales page conversion rate. I just mean even more helpful than that is how many people who heard about the offer, meaning how many people who were on your email list, because that's where you're, you're launching to. I don't launch publicly. I launch to my email list. So how many people on your email list who got the emails bought? It's very simple. So it's the, it's the percentage of people who bought as compared to your total email list. So if you have an email list of a thousand people, right? And if 10 people purchased off of your list of a thousand people, what is that? A 1% conversion rate, right? Because a hundred would be 10%. So that would be your conversion rate. 
This isn't how many people opened your email that converted. This isn't how many people landed on your sales page that converted. You could measure that as well. But what I measure is just the simple number of how many people are on your email list that in theory, an email was delivered to their inbox, whether they saw it or opened it or clicked versus how many people bought. And the percentage you're looking for is one half of 1% to 1%. That's the range of a successful launch. If that sounds pitiful, get used to it. These are just the numbers. And you got to think this makes sense because everybody who joined your email list has, the only thing they have in common is that they like your content and liked it enough to give you their email address, at least for your lead magnet, whatever you offered. That's all we know. We don't know if they actually regularly check that email account. We don't know if your emails are going to spam. We don't know if they open your email. We don't know anything. But we know that they were at least somewhat interested, so they should get an email. But we know also, if you look at your email open rates and, and click rates, that the majority of the people on your list aren't opening your emails every time. So we know that, and then we know an even smaller amount are clicking through to even see your sales page, to even have a chance to buy. So of course that percentage is going to be low, but this is pretty standard across a lot of industries. Half of 1% to 1% of your list converting. That would be a success. So it's simple math. Take the number of people on your email list, times it by 0.005 on a calculator, that will give you one half of 1%, or 0.01 would give you 1%. Those are your range. It's your low to your high. And that's how many copies should have sold or how many people should have bought. And then just compare that to how many people did buy. It doesn't matter what tier they bought or whether they bought the upsell or the downsell or the order bump or whatever, just how many people converted. If you're in that one half of a percent to 1% range, you can say this was a success. If you're less than one half of a percent, then you might have some work to do. Okay, it didn't convert as well as it probably should have. What's up? If it's more than 1%, you should celebrate some more because that means you really have something that your people want or you, all the other components were in order. So that's a very simple metric to know whether it was a success rate. And this is important. And I've talked about this a bajillion times. I teach this in my, in my, my course and my membership as well, but knowing this percentage rate is so helpful for you because you might have a launch and you might make what some people think is a lot of money, but to you is not a lot of money. And you're disappointed in your launch, but you might statistically have had a successful launch. I've had clients tell me this, like, oh, I made $20,000 on my launch, but I, I thought I should have made $100,000. And we do the math and I'm like, you actually converted 1% of your list. So based off of the price of your product and the number of people on your list, this was actually a successful launch. You just had unrealistic goals or you need to 5X the price of your product and hope that you still get the same conversion rate because to make $100,000, you need a more expensive product or you need 5X the number of people on your list. And it just, it helps give you some context. You might've had a successful launch. You just don't know it. So conversion rate is the first component. Number two is price. You, you look back at your, your launch and you ask yourself, was this a good price point for the product? Did you know that price is not a fixed thing? There is no one correct price. You can play around with price. I teach this a lot. There's something called price elasticity. Price is like an elastic band. You can stretch it. It can stretch farther than you think, but it gets to a point where it snaps though. And so your job is to try to find what is that sweet spot? Um, and you can ask yourself, do you think increasing the price will actually help? Because sometimes increasing the price will convert more because you're going to attract a different type of buyer. If it's too cheap, someone's going to be like, mm, I don't know about this. 
Sometimes decreasing the price will lead to a better result. Um, you could ask yourself that. What, should I have decreased the price or should I have increased the price because it's too cheap? I'm getting tire kickers who are paying money and then refunding quickly because they're like, oh, I don't know if this is for me because they're not action takers. They're not serious. They're not all in. I had a product that I launched that was $300 years ago, which was expensive at the time for my, my audience because I was selling $100 courses. So it was a bit of a stretch. Um, and I had plenty of people buy it, but then I had a lot of people refund. They're like, I don't know, this isn't, this isn't good enough for me. And so I got irritated with that. And so the next time I launched it, I doubled the price to $600. Uh, and I made more money and had like hardly any refunds. Why is that? It attracted a different kind of buyer. Someone who's like, oh, if they, if they could barely afford a $300 product, they for sure are not gonna spend $600 on a product. So it, it repelled those type of people, but they were the people that would refund anyway. And it attracted people who were like, man, this, this has gotta be good because of what he's charging. And I already trust Graham because I know his stuff is good. So it attracted a more all-in committed buyer and they got results. A final question here, what about offering payment plans? You know, a few months ago, I launched a product and it was base price of $997 uh, and there was an upper tier for $1497. Um, so it's very expensive, price prohibitive for a lot of people, um, but it sold well for what it is. But I probably would have sold more if I had offered a payment plan. And so this was my first launch and I purposely didn't offer a payment plan because um, I wanted to test how well does it convert people just paying straight up a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks. Interestingly enough, the $1,500 version sold the most. More people bought the more expensive version because these were quality buyers who knew value when they saw it and they wanted the best they had to offer. They didn't want to play with a $1,000 version. They wanted all the extra stuff that came with a $1,500 version, which is really cool. So it worked, but now the experiment would be next time I launch it, what if I offered a six month payment plan on the same product? It's gonna attract a different kind of buyer. So that could be a risk or it could attract a quality buyer who just doesn't have a thousand bucks right now, but they're willing to spread that out over six months and they're ready to take action. I won't know until I try it. So one way to offer payment plans is to offer it on your next launch straight up on the sales page and test it out compared to no payment plan as an option. Um, and obviously the payment plan should be a little bit more cumulatively, right? They're getting it cheaper per month for three to six months, but after those payments are made, they should have paid more than the person that paid all up front. It should be a better deal if you pay all up front, right? Um, but one, one option you can do is when you have a launch next time, launch it without a payment plan. And then after the launch is over, you've closed the cart. Let's say you finish on a Friday at midnight. That next Monday after the weekend, send out an email to everybody who didn't buy and say, hey, is this why you didn't join? And you could talk about price. Maybe it was the price. Maybe it's just too much right away. Um, if, if it's not a fit for you, no problem. Don't worry about it. Ignore this email. But if you really wanted to buy, but it was just price prohibitive, I want to offer you a limited time, 48 hours to jump on a payment plan, three payments or six payments or whatever you want to do. And if you're in Kajabi, for example, you can just duplicate or clone the offer and then just change the pricing structure. So they get the same product. They get the same welcome emails. They get, everything's the same. You're just changing the price and the way that they pay six payments or three payments of whatever versus one payment of whatever, and send them that checkout link. And then they can join on a payment plan and see if that converts well. So you just want to assess price. What do you think about the price? Number three, the third component you want to assess is the urgency or scarcity element. 
What kind of urgency or scarcity did you use in this launch? I hope you use something because you need to. Every launch needs to have some element of scarcity or urgency baked in. That's just the way launches work. It's the way they've always worked. Long before information products, this is how, this is what a Black Friday sale is. This is what a, a limited time offer, like the product's only gonna be available in store. When the McRib disappears, it's gone. I mean, that's, this is all scarcity or urgency baked in. So you wanna look at what you used and did it work? Or should you go with a different urgency or scarcity model? Remember, here are your options for scarcity. You can close the cart, so it's just gonna go away. This is your only time to buy. You can increase the price later, so this is the best time to get in because the price is either decreased, aka it's a sale, or this is an early adopter price. It's gonna go up next time. Um, you can have a bonus disappear, so join this week or all these bonuses go away and they're only they're, you could still buy the product, but the, you're not gonna be able to get these exclusive bonuses that obviously make it a better value, but also it, it's you can't get them on their own. They're just gonna go away or limited spots, that's another way to create urgency. Like I'm only taking 30 people into this coaching program or 20 people to join this package. Sometimes when I've done like a Black Friday all access pass bundle of a bunch of products, I will limit that to a hundred people can buy it, right? So that's another way to create urgency. So just ask yourself, did the urgency or scarcity element work? If so, great. If not, should you try something else next time? Number four element your pre-launch content. So look at, hopefully you did some kind of pre-launch. This is what I teach, but hopefully you did some kind of pre-launch material. Look at it. How, what, what did you do for your pre-launch? Was it effective? Was there engagement? Did people like it? Did they get value out of the pre-launch content? What could you experiment with moving forward? Um, so for example, there's the, the, the nature of the content itself. If people don't give a rip about your pre-launch content, it's probably not going to lead to sales in your launch. The pre-launch needs to be so fun and juicy and exciting. So the first question is, is the content itself enticing and engaging? Are you giving good stuff away? Your pre-launch should feel really like scandalous to you. Like you're giving away some of your best material. Um, in my pre-launch for my six-figure coaching community, which is my membership, when, I, when I'm about to open the doors to that, I do pre-launch. And inside of that pre-launch, the week before I launch, I'm teaching some awesome stuff about how to make six figures in your business. And it's all really good stuff. I'm giving a lot away. One day in particular, or one element of that content in particular, is I'm sharing a really powerful strategy that's like game-changing. And it's something I teach inside of my membership and I'm pulling it out and giving it away for free. And I always feel like, should I be doing this? Like this, this is really good stuff and really helpful and people pay for this. But yes, the answer is yes, because it is so profound and it'll get people to think and it'll get people to say like, oh my gosh, I need to be in Graham's community. That's the point. So what is the nature of the content juicy? Are people loving it? And then there's the format of the pre-launch content. Did it work? Did you like it? Did you do a three-part Jeff Walker style video workshop where you've pre-recorded three videos and drip them out over a week period of time and you're building up hype and is that working? Or did you do a live webinar and did that work? Or did you do like a five-day challenge? I've done all three right? Ask yourself, did it work? Did you like it personally? You get to decide. Um, did you have success with one pre-launch model, but you want to try another one? That's what I did. I started with my three-part video workshop for the, the community I just mentioned. And then six months later, when I reopened it, I, I took that material and, and formatted it into a live one-off webinar um, 
to see if that would have any other effect uh, on conversions. And I've, I found personally that it was just as effective. My conversion rates were the same and people loved it in just as much. It's just different, um, but not better or worse. So there's the nature of the content, there's the format. And then I would say um, the timetable. How far out did your pre-launch begin? Did you just send out like one email the week before or a couple days before or the day before you started your launch? Or did you have a, a legit, at least one week before the cart opens, you are doing pre-launch content? And even before that, like if you're gonna have a week where there's gonna be pre-launch content, maybe even a week before that, you can hint at that pre-launch content coming. So for example, if you're gonna have a three-part video training the week before you open the doors to your product, then the week before the three-part video training, you can tease, hey, next week, I'm gonna be doing something really cool. I'm gonna be doing some a free training on how to scale your business to six figures or how to lose 30 pounds in the next 90 days or whatever it would be. Um, so watch your inbox for that. You could start to tease that out. Now that's two weeks before your launch, but it's a week before your pre-launch, you get it. So ask yourself, did, did you start far out enough with your pre-launch? Because the game is all about creating hype and creating anticipation and excitement so that when the doors open, they're ready. They've been waiting for this. It's not a surprise to them. This is why movies will drop trailers. I was watching the, the next Mission Impossible movie trailer that dropped over a year out before the movie will come out in theaters. Why would they do that? Planting the seed of anticipation now will make the desire for that to grow in the interim. Very, very powerful stuff. Number five component, your offer. Did you create an offer that people would feel stupid saying no to, right? Alex Hermosi has this fantastic book, $100 million offers. You should read it. A, Alex is brilliant. B, that book is so to the point and so good about crafting offers, but the whole title of the book or subtitle of the book is being able to create offers that people would feel stupid to say no to, basically. That's how good these offers are. They're so good that the only reason they're saying no is because they just can't afford it or the timing isn't right, but there's a twinge of like, oh, but this is such a good offer. If they're like, I don't know, that's not really a good offer. There's a problem with the offer. The offer should feel so good that the people who don't buy, it's just because they don't have the money or it's just not the right time. It, they should never not buy because they're like, that doesn't sound like a good offer. Does that make sense? There's a difference. The offer should be so, so good. So ask yourself from what you can tell with people, uh, their, their engagement, their response, or even just you being a human and looking at the offer. Is this offer really that good? Meaning, are you really addressing all of their objections? Does it really include like, everything is like fail safe. Like there's like no way they could fail if they take you up on this product because you've included everything they need to succeed. And it's priced at a price that cheap isn't the point, but if like the value far exceeds what they're gonna pay for it, right? So much value in this product that they're like, dude, yeah. That, like th this is how I think about it. For example, uh, my course, uh, like, well, so I, I launched a product it was $9.97 base price. Uh, and it was all about how like gaining insights that will help you in your business, if you're already growing, easily make multiple six figures to a million dollars. Like, like you're gonna be able to walk away with 
at least even one insight that's going to help you scale your business to multiple six figures or a million dollars. And you're going to get inside secret conversations with multi-six-figure and seven-figure business owners to learn how they think about business, to learn how they uh, talk about business, to learn how they solve problems, to learn all that kind of stuff to gain those kind of insights that are going to help you reach multiple six figures or a million dollars. That's and, and the way it's set up and all the stuff that comes with it, like, dude, so much value, a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks for that. Yeah. That's a no brainer if I can afford it. And, and I'm at a position where I can apply it. And I had a lot of people say like, dude, I, I this is a no brainer. I just can't afford it right now. That's, that's where you want to be because there's so much more value than what it costs. That a thousand dollars seems stupidly cheap for gaining an insight that'll help you make $100,000 in the next year, right? So offer, what would you change or what could you change just to make the offer juicier next time? It could always be juicier. Number six component, we're almost done, positioning. How did you position this product in the, in the launch? Who was it for or who did you say it was for? What problem or problems does it ultimately solve? Look at your language, right? You could have a killer product at the right price, but if the positioning is off, who it's speaking to, it, it won't convert. Um, there's so much to just some of the language, and this would mostly be tweaked in the hook or the main headline on the top of the sales page and in the initial sales emails where you're like, what's the one sentence? What's the one line elevator pitch of, who this product helps and what it helps them accomplish. I'm sure it's really, really good, but if you have yet to be able to articulate that and crystallize that in a way that one sentence like makes people's jaw drop, the right people, then the positioning is off. The offer might be super juicy, but you have to be able to communicate that offer succinctly and in a powerful way. So this, this comes with time of learning how to not overthink and just fill your sales copy with marketing mumbo jumbo, but not underthink. You have to do the digging for them of saying like, it doesn't matter how good the product is, it's your job to articulate the offer to people in such a way that in one sentence they go, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is gonna be possible, but I totally need this. Um, I wanna give you an example of this that I just pulled up for one of my students. Uh, in my mastermind, because uh, it's fresh in my mind. So one of my students is named Tony, and he's a college football coach. Um, and he's got a product that helps um, high school football coaches. Uh, well, I'll just tell you here, here is the positioning of the product. How you can, it says world-renowned former NCAA coach reveals how you can join the top 3% of highest paid high school and college football coaches. Here's another way he positions it. Make more money and win more games without having to spend all day on the field. That's one sentence. He's talking to high school football coaches. He makes it very clear in the headline how to, be, how to join the top 3% of highest paid high school and college football coaches. And then he breaks it down to bullet points where the positioning is so clear. Get our proven concepts and cheat sheets so you can save hours trying to come up with a game plan. Use our systems to build an explosive offense that allows your players to reach their full potential. Never worry about coming up with a practice plan again. 
refer to our program for everything you, you need offensively to score more points and get around the politics of high school football. Use our career movement guidance to land your dream coaching opportunities. This is, this is, this is the top of the sales page. I don't even have to watch the video. There's a video of him playing. I don't have to read the testimonials, although he's got tons of those and those will sell your product. No, his positioning is so powerful and clear that if I'm a high school or college football coach, I want to like win more games, be a higher paid coach and, and be able to deal with the politics of the school. Like, oh my gosh, that's so clear. It's so powerful for me. So positioning is the name of the game. If you know you have a great offer and you know it's a great price, it's all about, are you positioning it well? And that just takes a little bit of practice. And I would just get out a Google doc and just write, rewrite the offer in one sentence over and over again in different ways. Try different options, different angles, but it's all about who is it helping and what specific problems is it helping them solve or specific dreams or desires is it helping them achieve? And, and be bold. Like, again, this is going to assume that they're going to take your material seriously, take action on it. If the ideal person took you up on everything you're sharing in that course or coaching or product or whatever, watched all the videos, did everything and applied it, what kind of results could they expect? Say that succinctly in your positioning. And that might help you sell a lot more next time. And number seven, this is the final component to assess of your launch is the demand. Did you see enough engagement or enough data in the launch to signal that the product is actually in demand? This is, I mean, you would hope you've done this before you launch a product. You'd hope you've done this before you built the product. You want to make sure there's demand for this before you spend any time building it or launching it. But I'm assuming you saw some demand in your research phase. And so you built it and you launched it. Now that you're reviewing that launch, did anybody care? Was there demand? Or did nobody open the emails? Did nobody click on the sales page? And by nobody, I mean like very few people. Did nobody email you with questions about it? If, if you're not getting any feedback or engagement or sales or questions, you might be way off in terms of not only the positioning or the offer, but there just may not be demand for this product. You might not, people may not want this kind of help. It might be a, a problem that you thought needed to be solved, but doesn't need to be solved. And if so, if you're unsure and it seems like the demand was low, then here's what I would suggest you do. Survey your audience. Create one simple survey using a Google Doc or you know Google Forms, it's free, or something like that, type form, whatever you want to use, SurveyMonkey. And just email everybody on your list who didn't buy, which might be everybody if you didn't make any sales. But just email everybody who didn't buy just a day or two after the launch. Say, hey, um, I saw you didn't join. I just want to make sure that I'm offering stuff that's valuable to you. You have 30 seconds to answer these two questions or three questions. And just see if people are going to be willing to share like, hey, this is why I didn't buy. I don't need help with this. Or this is, is not a real problem I have. Or I'm not interested in that. Just see what they say. Give them a couple of multiple choice questions. But just even if it's one sentence, why didn't you join? Just let me know. One sentence. I'd love to know. I want to make sure I'm, I'm only sending you valuable stuff and get some feedback and see why the demand was so low. If there is demand though, but not a lot of people bought, th then it's probably because the price, the offer, the positioning, something like that. Like for example, that product that I was telling you about, the $1,000 to $1,500 product, I know there was demand. I, I think I could sell more with a payment plan. Again, I'm testing that. But I know there's demand because I had a lot of people emailing me are you going to offer a payment plan? 
are you going to reopen? Are you going to reopen this or reoffer this in the future? Like people who weren't ready to buy now or couldn't buy now, but were very interested in. I got feedback like that, so I could tell there's demand here. We just got to make sure we get the right offer, the right price point, um, the right pre-launch. Make sure people understand who it's for. Make sure the positioning is clear, which I think it was clear, but you can tell if there's demand or not, and that's important. So that's the checklist: conversion rate price, urgency or scarcity, the pre-launch content, check the offer, check the positioning, check the demand. And if you've done that, you should have a clear overview of both what was strong about your launch. Dude, the price was strong or my pre-launch was strong or the urgency element was strong and the weakest components of your launch. Positioning might be a little weak. I could do better on that. Um, or my pre-launch could be better. I could really beef that up. And that's going to allow you to keep the elements that are strong and make sure you don't get rid of those in the next time you launch it or put it in your funnel and then tweak or experiment or improve or fine tune what was weak before and see if it helps you convert more copies next time. This is going to help you again, whether it's a product like my six figure coaching community that I open and close two times a year or if it's a product like a course inside of your evergreen funnel that you could test after a few months of making the tweaks, the percentage that it's converting in your funnel moving forward. You can see that conversion rate go up or down based off of the tweaks you're making because your traffic's gonna go up and down. That's why conversion rate is a better thing to measure, not number of copies sold because your, your traffic or email opt-ins might go down or might go up. It's conversion rate that really matters. And then these other things are gonna help you know if it is converting better or not. Make sense? So question for you is, as we wrap this up, have you done a launch review before? And if not, I suggest you do one. And two, if you've done a launch review or as you think about your most recent launch or your only launch, which of these seven components of your launch do you think needs the most improvement or fine tuning? Let me know in a comment below if you're watching on YouTube. I'd be curious to know your thoughts. And then if you want some goodies on how to just build and launch profitable six-figure, even seven-figure online courses, download my six-figure course checklist. It is a simple PDF with my four-step process to building and launching super profitable online courses. I've, I've had courses that have done millions of dollars in multiple multi-six-figure courses. And then you're also going to learn my biggest uh, course launching mistakes as well. It's all for free at sixfigurecourse.com. That's the number six sixfigurecourse.com, or if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to link below in the description. Thanks for hanging with me today. Hope this was fun. Hope this was valuable to you. Have an amazing rest of your week and your day, and I'll see you on another episode real soon.